Hi, I'm Maggie. And I'm Harper. And this is She She Fucking fucking Gets It. Harper. What? (laughs) What is the (laughs) biggest thing to happen this week? (laughs) You mean besides your stomach flu and my laryngitis? Yeah, I mean besides... (laughs) Those really big events that happen. That's why I sound all fucked up today, by the way. I think Sorry you about sound it. fine. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> My voice is slowly coming back. Okay, I know, th- I know the answer, though. Because we both flipped out about it. I flipped out about it for like a week prior, also. <laughs> we are talking about... <laughs> the biggest thing to happen was Ariana Grande's music video for the single. The hit new single. Thank, thank you, you, next. next. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> this video was very exciting. It was pretty and epic. And the song. The song is exciting, too. Right. I was already excited when the song came out. Well, we were both really excited yeah. when the song came out, um, just because of the phrase, thank you, next, Yeah. is simple yet... Eloquent. It's efficient. <laughs> and you can just use it for everything. Versatile. Yeah. Plus, not to mention, you and I had also been following Ariana Grande's you know, personal dramas. Oh yeah, her so, her personal drama relationship dramas were pretty juicy for it a while. Was interesting to still pretty juicy. Fit, fit this song right in there. Yeah, thank you next. <laughs> but I do love the attitude that thank you next embodies. Which I, is I do too. Legitimately grateful for like shitty stuff in your life that's or, happened, or, or just maybe regular not. stuff. Maybe Good you're stuff, being whatever. sarcastic. I think it can be sarcastic too. Like yeah. Oh, thank yes. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be either. Yeah, I think like actually grateful for having grown from mm-hmm. shitty experiences or tongue in cheek. Thank you. You can leave now. Yeah. But either way, next, moving on to the new good thing. Exactly. I love that. Like I learned, I learned from this. Yes. And I'm ready to move on. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. I want to use it. I want to use it with everything now. Yeah. Um, but the music video, both the song and the music video are a huge fucking deal. And we're going to talk about why. Yes. For this entire show. Yeah, for the whole fucking thing. So thank you, Ariana Grande. I'm um, a huge fan. But the song on Spotify has already gotten like more streams in this period of time than yeah. any other song has in the same period of time. And the the music video. Oh, music video broke the internet which we're going to be focusing on has more views than it hasn't even been out for a week and in a week's time no other video has gotten this many views yeah it's bonkers great job ariana yeah but yeah let's talk about the music video okay yay (laughs) okay so the music video brings together four classic iconic teen flicks or i guess not necessarily teen flicks but they are um mean girls Legally Blonde, Bring It On, and 13 Going On 30. Yeah. That's the basis for the... It brings together... She's basically singing... I mean, she's not basically. She is singing Thank You Next, but kind of recreating these iconic music videos while she's doing it. Movies. I'm sorry, these iconic movies while she's doing it. I don't know really why she chose to do this, other than it's awesome and so fun. I don't know what purpose it has, what relation it has to Thank You Next, but I love it, and Mm -hmm. I'm so glad it it happened. very good. Yes. Okay, so like we said, the music video is based on all these teen movies that I love. They're some of my favorite movies, and I know that you love them also. And like you Mm -hmm. said, it's cool because those movies are all very feminine pop culture moments and icons, and Ariana Grande is also a very feminine pop 
star. And it's, it's easy. It seems easy for people to dismiss that kind of stuff, but actually those are some of the most successful and influential pop things in the world ever. So I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah. It's like crazy how big a deal these, these movies are. And I think a lot of the more serious artists and critics could probably roll their eyes at these things, mm-hmm. but look at the staying power of oh my God, a movie yeah. like Mean Girls or Legally Blonde. Yeah. People are still obsessed with those movies. Yeah, they're like the, yeah. People, everyone agrees <laughs> that they're like the best movies ever. They're so successful. Yeah. But yeah, these it's people discount these things because they're directed towards, they're like geared toward, um, you know, like young women and teenage girls, uh, which people think of as not you know, important, like not, yeah, not important, not, not, uh, influencing high art or influenced by, but like, those are the people who decide what is pop culture and what is successful. They literally chart the course. Yeah, for for, sure. For what's popular. Yeah. And probably a lot of the reason that these things are discounted is due to some like bullshit internalized misogyny about like young women's ideas not being important enough or smart enough, which is Clearly stupid. Yeah. And it's crazy because people are still in denial about it. Yeah, for sure. Like, but where's the money coming from? Yeah. yeah. All the, the teenage girls are not spending all the money. <laughs> they're they're influenced. They just decided that these things are cool yeah. because they are. And everyone else was like, oh, you guys are actually right. <laughs> mean Girls is one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. And this music video is going down in history. It's one of yeah, the... Yeah, it's blowing the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So thank you, Ariana, for <laughs> thank you next. <laughs> um, so and this brings us to our next segment. Harper and I love this concept so much. Of thank you next. <laughs> emphasis that, on the next. Yeah, emphasis on the next for this next uh, segment um, because the midterms just happened and a lot of um, really cool women women. Uh, replaced some stupid old boring <laughs> men. Stupid old boring. <laughs> so we want to say thank you next yeah. to some of these people leaving Congress and say welcome. Hello and welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're here to some of the really cool uh, women that are replacing them. Yeah. All right. So here's our new segment called Thank, thank You Next. next. <laughs> In Congress. In Congress. <laughs> okay, I will start us off. Okay. Okay, so the first, we're gonna, I'm gonna start with welcome and hello. Okay, welcome and hello. <laughs> welcome and hello, Ruth, Ruth Buffalo. Ruth, welcome. <laughs> this is really rich. <laughs> she is a Native American woman, woman who uh, beat out the Republican incumbent, R- R- Randy Boning. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's spelled like Boehner, so it could be. Rand, Who Randy everyone knows it's Boehner really Boehner or Boehning, but I'm gonna call him Randy Bone Boning. Randy Boning for sure. Um, but this is the this is the prick who actually sponsored <laughs> the voter ID law that basically disenfranchised Native Americans because oh. it like had the really like strict address rules like yeah. you have to like have a mailbox and shit. Yeah. Um, and he also uh voted against. Um, banning legislation that would discriminate against LGBTQ people, which is really Ugh. funny because he was caught sending nude photos 
of himself to other men on Grinder. Oh, interesting. So it's, it's interesting that he would not want to support the community that he's clearly, clearly. a part of. <laughs> um, so I have to say, Randy Boning. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Next. Next. Um, it sounds like you have some personal things you need to uh, figure out anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Next. Thank you. All right, Harper. Okay, the next person I would like to say welcome and hello to is also a Native woman. It's Sharice Davids. Welcome, Welcome, Sharice. (laughs) So she was elected to the House representing Kansas, and she succeeded Kevin Yoder. Ugh, Yoder. (laughs) Listen, Kevin is so boring that I just don't even want to talk about him that much. He's exactly what you'd expect from a regular-ass white guy Republican. He strongly supported ICE and other immigration control, such as border control. Boring. Opposes the Affordable Care Act. Boring as fuck. (laughs) Doesn't care about the environment. Ugh. Yada, yada, yada. You know. Yeah. Boring. His Wikipedia page, for some reason, specifically stated that he is of Northern Irish, German, and English descent. Interesting. Duh. Lest you make the mistake that he... God forbid you assume... You have a a little ethnic blood in you. Oh, my God. Everyone wants... He wants everyone to know he's white, white, white. Good Anyway, you. you know what, Kevin... Thank you. You served your boring ass time. You input your boring ass ideas. And now it's time to move over and make room for Sharice, who is a Cornell educated lawyer, a member of the Ho-Chunk tribe, and a legitimate professional mixed martial artist. Oh my God. (laughs) Need I say more, Maggie? No. She sounds like the best. She is the best. So, Kevin. Kevin. Thank you. Okay, next, I would like to say hello and welcome to Angie Craig. Angie, welcome. She's a Democrat and the first openly LGBTQ person to represent Minnesota in Congress. Um, And she also beat out incumbent Jason Lewis, who is a huge um, Donald Trump asshole and a former (laughs) conservative talk radio host who once complained on air that he's not allowed to call women sluts anymore. Oh, Jason, Jason. I'm so sorry. Jason, this is a sarcastic one. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Here's my welcome and hello is now to Ayanna Presley. I love Ayanna. She's the elected rep from Massachusetts, and she succeeded Mike Capuano. Uh, Mike was probably fine. He was a Democrat. He was the mayor of Somerville for some time. I I saw one picture of him hanging out with George Clooney. Whatever. Big deal. Yeah, but hot. I guess. And also, somehow, one of his nephews is one of those hot Chris's from the Hollywood movies. You know? No. Like Chris Pine or Chris Pratt or whatever. I don't know if it's one of those. I literally can't tell them apart. Chris, what's Chris? Isn't there another Chris P one? Uh, No, yeah. Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, and Chris... There's Chris Evans, I think. Oh, yeah, maybe. And there's Chris Hemsworth. It's not that one, because that guy's Australian or something. Anyway, whatever. His his nephew's one of those guys. But anyway, Mike served his time. He did his due diligence, maybe. I don't know. And for that, I'd like to say thank you, thank you. I guess. But I'd also like to say next. next, because I think it's time for somebody newer and better. Like maybe Ayana, the first black woman elected to Congress from Massachusetts. Yeah. So Mike, legit. Thank you. Next, next. 
Um, okay, I'd like to say welcome and hello to Abby Finkenauer. Abby. Um, she's one of two women in Iowa who beat out their uh, Republican male incumbents, becoming nice. making history for the first women representatives of Iowa. Hell yeah. Um, she is a college grad with $20,000 in student debt. She wants to, you know, help those working class mm-hmm. grads and families. Um, while her opponent, Rob Blum, oh, they all have such stupid names, too. Um, he is a rich-ass tea partier, and he was already being investigated by the House Ethics Committee for doing very Trump-like things, like not disclosing all his private businesses and income. So, And, he, and then he Sorry. threw a big hissy fit about yeah, it. So whatever. Thank you. Next. Whatever, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay. Next person I'd like to welcome is Ilhan Omar. I love her. Welcome. Welcome, Ilhan. <laughs> so she was one of two Muslim women elected this year, and they both made history. Uh, she rose up the ranks super fast, which is a testament to how strong and smart she is. Uh, she first got elected in, or she got her first elected position in 2016 in the Minnesota legislature. And now only two years later, she easily won a seat in the House of Representatives. Uh, she grew up in Somalia and only immigrated here when she was 14. Well, she's super smart and driven. She's just awesome. And she is replacing Keith Ellison, who's kind of a well-known and beloved Democrat. He vacated his seat to become the attorney general of Minnesota. But he's shady. But, shady as fuck. Yeah, he's kind of shady. <laughs> he also has some pretty serious abuse allegations from his former wife. Yeah, I've heard about that. Not so, good. I think it's time so to say. Thank you. Keith, maybe you should get out of politics for a little while until you cleared your name. If yeah, you can do if that. you can do that. You might not be able to. Sorry, bud. But you should probably take some time. Yeah. Um, And then last but not least, and also this is not the only amazing woman that got elected to Congress. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch more. There's a bunch more. But um, for the sake of time, last but not least, Alexandria (laughs) Ocasio-Cortez, she beat out Democratic incumbent Joe Crowley, um, who whatever was probably fine. I don't know. But he definitely (laughs) didn't represent the Bronx that he was representing. Yeah. and she has been so refreshing. If you don't follow her on Instagram, you have to. She You have to. <laughs> she has been um, Zach, you have to. Yeah, follow her right now, Zach. She <laughs> does these stories that are so cool because she is literally Instagramming everything that happens to her as she's yeah. learning about how to be in Congress. Like she Instagrams her like I don't know if they con- tell it or <laughs> I don't know if they call it um Congress training or like Congress boot camp she calls it congress camp um but she instagrams her like uh pulling from a lottery to see what office she gets that's so cool she instagrams about her trainings that she has she instagrams while she's in the tunnel in between um capitol building and the other buildings yeah it's so interesting because you don't really think about like how new members of congress learn how to be in congress yeah and she's been Instagramming it, um, and she's also pissing off a lot of older Hell yeah. Democrats and Republicans because she's just not necessarily playing by the old rules. Oh. She already participated in a protest outside of Nancy Pelosi's oh my office. God. Nancy is going to be like her speaker yeah. of the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she doesn't care. She's like, hey, Nancy, we need... You need, need to, to do ad- fucking better. To do fucking better and address yeah. climate change. And yes, technically we're on the same team, but I'm going to hold you accountable. So Hell yeah. yeah. So she's really pissing off some old old boys club members. Some dudes. Um, so welcome, Alexandria, and 
Joe, who I already forgot about Crowley. you. Crowley, yeah. <laughs> Completely. I forgot about you. <laughs> uh, thank you, next. Next. Thank you, next, next. Zach, do oh. you have a crush on Alexandria? I just think she's the best. Yeah, she's so refreshing. She's so refreshing. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. That concludes our segment called... Thank, thank you, next. <laughs> okay, so in keeping with the topic, the theme of the staying power of feminine pop culture, our main topic for today for this show is going to be some of our favorite feminine teen movies that we love and that kind of fucking get it. Uh, yeah, so we're going to do two of the movies that Ariana Grande uh, mm-hmm. kind of recreated in her music video and then two others that yeah. we both love. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the movies are Mean Girls, mean Girls Clueless, Clueless, 10, 10 things, things I Hate, I hate about, about You, and, and Bring, bring It On! on. <laughs> Four of the best flicks of all time. Um. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say we know that not all of these movies, or not every part of these movies, fucking gets it. Oh yeah, there's some. Um, some of these older ones haven't aged super well. Some, some jokes. Of the, some of the jokes. Um, and there is just some like some generally cringy stuff, but we just want to take the time to celebrate these movies for what they are. Yeah, we want to focus on the fact that in general, we feel like these movies have a positive impact on culture, on youth culture. Uh, it's funny because these are these are some of my favorite movies of all time, and I loved them when I was in high school. But back then, I was like too cool for school, and I thought of these as like my guilty pleasure movies. But we're gonna explain to you why they're just regular pleasures. They're just, regular they're just pleasures. pleasures. They're There's delights. Really nothing to feel guilty. No, they're excellent <laughs> flicks. Um, but I was stupid. Yeah, it's you're fine. A, you're a cool girl. No, I I mean you wanted, wanted to, to be, be a, a cool, cool girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> But instead, I was a real turd. <laughs> My um, high school clique could be called the turds. <laughs> I was just a regular old band geek. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with Mean Girls. This is like probably the most popular of the movies that we're yes, talking about. Extremely so, well known. It's the most recent. It's so well known. It's such a good fucking movie. This must be one of the most successful movies of all time. I don't know be. the stats, but Me it's gotta be. But this is one of those movies I watch. It's like my comfort movie. Mm-hmm. I like when I was sick this past week, I <clears throat> immediately watched it. Yeah, mine's bring it on. It never gets old for me. I think it's so funny, so poignant, and smart. Yeah. And it's hell yeah. Just really fucking funny. Um, yeah, this movie's funny as hell, but it still manages to teach a lot of really important feminist lessons, like yeah. what a good female relationship looks like um, versus what really toxic ones look like, um, why women need to support each other, and how stupid you look when you obsess over your flaws or you dumb yourself down for a dumb boy. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> all the women and femmes in this movie are super strong, badass b- bitches. Um, they just happen to have fallen into this cycle of gaining power by tearing other women down. Because that's which, what happens. That, which happens not only in high school, it happens in real life, too. So yeah. it's <laughs> not high school, but real life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, adult life. Um, that made perfect sense. So it's it's relatable. Yeah. Um, I feel like I don't really have to go into specifics of this movie because I feel like everyone knows every single line of this movie. I think that's probably true. If you don't, then I like. We can't talk. To I you. don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand anything about you. <laughs> that was such a Regina George thing to say. If you don't, I can't talk to you. <laughs> you can't sit with us. <laughs> um, but I will make 
the bold statement of saying that these are some of the most iconic and most funny characters in film. Whoa. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, but tell me. Well, the craze over Ariana's music video proves that. Yeah. People went fucking nuts over this video because seeing, like, people like Regina and Katie and then some people who are really in the movie. Yeah. Like the army pl- pants and flip-flop girl. Yeah. And um, Aaron Samuels. Aaron Samuels. That just proves how important these characters are to people. No one would give a fuck if Colin Firth as Prince Albert from the King's Speech made a cameo in a music video. That movie won Oscar for Best Picture. No one gives a fuck about but, stuttering Prince Albert. But what we do want to see is Ariana Grande as Regina George. As Regina George. Give the people what they want. Exactly. Like, that just proves how important these characters are to people. Um, it's hard to say exactly who fucking gets it in this movie. Mm. Um, all the characters are far from one dimensional, which is another yeah. reason why it's like a sophisticated movie. It's not just a frivolous teen flick. Yeah, it's well written. It's very well written. Um, everyone really evolves and goes through phases of really fucking getting it and really not fucking getting yep, it. Yeah, like just a like, normal ass person. Just like a normal ass person. Um, so I thought I'd just kind of go through each of the main characters and highlight their not getting it moments or not fucking getting it moments and their fucking getting, fucking it. getting it moments. Hell yeah. Tell me them. Starting with Caddy Heron. I like to call her Caddy. <laughs> okay, Janice Ian. <laughs> um, I'm going to call you Caddy. Her not fucking getting it, it happens a lot in this movie because she turns into a plastic. Right. But I think the hardest thing for me to stomach was her pretending to be bad at calculus to get <laughs> a boy to like her. Oh my god. That was, that was fucking painful. painful for me to watch. Oh man. I took two years of calculus in high school and I was fucking oh. horrible at it. I barely <laughs> passed each time. But I thought being good at math was so cool that I kept trying. Oh, you could have taught Caddy a thing or two. <laughs> like oh after that god. first year, I should have quit. But I I signed on for the next year because all the people I thought were like cool and smart were doing it. Oh my god. So I was like, yep, sign me up for calculus again, even though oh. I have not understood a single concept <laughs> since I started. <laughs> really good effort though. If I was good at calculus, I would sing it from the mountaintops. Oh, it's and really, she was so good at she calculus. She was so good at it. Not just like normal good, like really she good. She won the mathletes. She had to fully pretend that she didn't know anything. I know. In order to get this guy's attention. She acted so dumb. Which didn't even work. Yeah, I know. That was so hard for me to watch. Yeah. Um, so that was her really not fucking getting it. That did not fucking um, get it. Her really fucking get it, or really fucking getting it, um, she obviously comes around at the end of the movie, but I yeah. think my favorite catty moment is just at the beginning when she knows nothing about social norms and is a total lovable weirdo oh, yeah. who's so pure and innocent. <laughs> I wish that she could have stayed like that forever. Instead, she got tainted by American society. I like it when she, she gets up to try to go to the bathroom without <laughs> saying anything to anyone. And then she's like, wait, I can't do that? Yeah. The teacher's like, nice try. Sit down. She's like, oh, okay. Oh. Um, okay, next, Regina George. Uh, not fucking getting it. She pretty, doesn't get it a lot. <laughs> pretty much the whole movie. Um, but I want to say her her lowest point might be when she called Taylor Waddell's mom and pretended to be Planned Parenthood. <gasps> oh my god, so yes. So that Taylor got in trouble. To like, trick her mom into thinking that Taylor was pregnant was like, or something. Please don't. Or had a STI. Please don't bring Planned Parenthood into this. Yes. Um, Planned Parenthood has enough problems. 
It doesn't need you and your little bitchy schemes. Yeah, Regina. Um, Regina George fucking getting it. Um, this is a hard one because she kind of sucks throughout the entire movie. But if you think about it, she's a really strong, badass character. Yeah. She is toxic and mean, but she gets shit done. She's the boss. Choreographing a dance for the talent show, creating that burn book, creating the entire scheme to get back at Caddy. She's crafty. She's She's clever. She's very crafty. She's obviously really smart. She's obviously (laughs) a hard worker. So I like to think that after she got hit by the bus, she grew up up and went on to be a a powerful (laughs) and impactful person. Sure, that sounds right. So basically her getting it is just me imagining that someday she really fucking gets it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, okay, Gretchen Wieners. She is the same way. She does a lot of toxic stuff in this movie. But once again, the hardest thing for me to watch is her um, uh, really groveling for her crush, Jason. Ugh, Jason's who, such a turd. He's such a skis, as Regina says. <laughs> um, it's like, Gretchen, come on. That guy sucks. He's not even that cute. He's not. Do fucking better. And none for Gretchen Wieners. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gretchen Wiener fucking getting it. I, not to sound like a really weepy middle school teacher here, but when she, I get such a thrill when I saw her making the connection between Shakespeare and her own life. When she gives that really impassioned speech about Caesar. Oh my God. I was like, oh my God, could, this is such a learning moment for you. You did so good, Gretchen. You're taking your English lesson and you're applying it to your real, your real life and you put a lot of passion into it. Good job. I hope you got an A on that project. Good job, Gretchen Wieners. Okay. And last, uh, just for the sake of time, Janice Ian. Um, Janice Ian not fucking getting it. She is supposed to be the he- hero of this movie, kind of. Yeah. Um, but she totally sinks to the level of the plastics. Yeah, she does. She's kind of petty. And it's actually, and I didn't notice this until I watched the movie f- this latest time a few days ago. It's questionable whether she learns anything from this. <laughs> like everyone else does. Yeah. Like everyone else kind of has this like come to Jesus moment. And I don't think that that moment ever happens for Janice. Yeah, it might. Because she thinks she's right the whole time. Exactly. And the in this scene where they're all like speaking their truths and falling back doing yes. trust falls, she uses that moment to, to fuck with Regina again. Yeah. And then she's like, and suck on. That yeah. and like everyone cheers for her. Get over it. I'm Janice. not sure. I'm not sure she learned her lesson. <laughs> yeah, She's a cool she character, but I didn't realize that like she doesn't have one of those moments. Yeah, you're right. Um, I hadn't thought about that. Janice fucking getting it. Every single one of Janice Ian's looks. Oh my god. She's yes. <laughs> such. A goth punk character. I just remembered her hair. Her, <laughs> she her separate like, hair strands. She has like most of her hair clipped up, but like long pieces gelled in front of in her front ears. Of her ears. <laughs> it looks so bad. I was not a goth or punk girl in high school, but Janice gave me the permission to be one if I wanted to. Hell yeah! <laughs> and I'm sure she was influential to so many girls who are Probably. kind of like the artsy punk goth type. Yeah. I was very into her um, just freedom to express herself. Fuck yeah. Good job, Janice. Hell yeah. Uh, um, but all in all, Mean Girls is so good, so important, such yeah. like a cultural... It's a classic. It's, it's a, a new classic. classic. Everyone loves for, it. For good reasons. And I think a lot of people could write it off as a stupid 
teen girl rom-com. But yeah, Mean Girls, the movie, fucking, fucking guess, guess it. it. Hell yeah. Now you get to talk about your favorite movie. Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about is the other one that's also in the Thank You Next music video, which is Bring It On. Your favorite movie of all time. Oh my god, Maggie. This is one of my favorite movies ever. Like, seriously, top five. I've probably seen it 50 times. When I think of Harper, I think of Bring It On. on. (laughs) It's one One and the same. If I were to make a circle with your name in the middle and then, like, make little branches out. One of the branches would just be Bring It On. I bullet points about me red hair tall bring it on yeah <laughs> you love this yes, movie i really do love it so much any fucking way <laughs> <laughs> okay i didn't have to rewatch this movie obviously in preparation for this episode although of course i did <laughs> but because i started watching it and i can literally quote the whole thing. Like, yeah. I know how it goes exactly. That is me with Mean Girls. Yeah. So, Bring It On came out when I was 10 years old, uh, and that is when I first watched it and began my intense love affair <laughs> with it. Uh, so, seeing as I was so young, I probably didn't think too much about all these things uh, when I first watched it, but I really think that this movie imprinted on me some important <laughs> lessons about, like, feminism and intersectionality and privilege and probably most importantly and most obviously cultural appropriation. Yeah. And that's, like, a huge plot point yeah. in this movie. Like, it's basically what the plot centers around. Yeah. So in case you don't know what Bring It On is about, first of all, go fucking <laughs> watch it. Don't don't talk to me if you haven't seen Bring It On. I have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you do. <laughs> I'm mad at you until you watch it again. (laughs) Okay, but here's roughly what it's about. So the main character is this teenager, Torrance, who uh, is at a um, high school in California, and she's she's the newly appointed captain of her cheerleading squad. And her cheerleading squad is big time. They win all these awards. They always go to these national cheer championships, and they win every single year. And then they find she finds out towards the beginning of the movie that all of their past successes had been on the backs of this other team from East Compton called the Clovers. And turns out that that Torrance's team, the um, what are they called? Toros. Toros. The Toros. Thank you. The Toros. Wow. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. The Rancho Carne Toros had been stealing routines. Their past captain had been stealing Classic. routines from this team that's entirely comprised of people of color from East Compton. Um, and the the uh, head, the captain of the Clovers is played by Gabrielle Union. And the of captain, course. I know, she's, she's so staple. good. And she's... the captain of um, the Toros is Kirsten Dunst. So anyway, Kirsten Dunst then has to reckon with the fact that her, like, her whole passion in life is cheerleading because her team has been so good and she's been, like, really into it. But she has to now deal with the fact that everything that she thought that she had won has been a lie. Yep. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and so that's obviously all about a cultural appropriation, but there's also a lot of stuff about priv- pri- privilege, sorry. Like, the Clovers, I kind of, like, didn't realize this until I was rewatching it recently, that they, the reason that this never came up in the past, the fact that the Toros had been stealing from the Clovers, I was like, why didn't the Clovers just go to the championships and and beat the Toros? Because they're much better. Yeah. And they, they made up the routines. And then I realized that it's because they could never afford to go. Right. Because they're the poor team. And that is some white-ass privilege yeah. if I've ever heard of it. They had to work twice as hard. And they <coughs> didn't get any credit for it. And they it. didn't get any fucking yep. credit. Except for 
they do in this movie. Yeah. So anyway, that's the plot. But it's legitimately good lessons to mm-hmm. learn, especially when you're 10 to start yeah. you out learning that stuff. And like like I said, that cultural appropriation stuff is a super strong theme. Um, and it actually is in the movie played out so well. Uh, like the main character, Torrance, she's like kind of stupid sometimes because <laughs> she's 17 and white girl. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. And she like waffles back and forth on how to be a good person in this context, which is like so normal and correct. You know, that's what she would do. Um, and she doesn't come off, even though she like is the main character and it's her battle to deal with. And she, you know, is the one who like in the end kind of saves the day for the Toros, even though they don't really end up triumphing. Spoiler alert. Uh, she doesn't really come off as like particularly sympathetic or the victim. Cause she like fucks up a lot. Like at the beginning when she learns that, that her team had been stealing at first. She's like, Oh, well we obviously can't keep going with these stolen routines. But then the rest of her team says, but we want to. And she's like, yeah, okay, I guess we should. (laughs) And then she has to figure out that no, you can't do that. Yeah. And so she has to learn more lessons and it waffles back and forth, which is great. And even like the characters who are supposed to really fucking get it, do the same thing. There's a lot of waffling, which is just cool to watch it play out like that. So Torrance in the end has to deal with, so it was her predecessor as Captain Big Red, <laughs> which I would like you all to call start calling me Big Red, by the way. <laughs> really? I don't know why this hasn't been my nickname the I whole time. I feel like you would hate that. I would love it. Really? I'm big and I'm red. <laughs> I would call you Big Red, but I feel like you would hate it, which is why I've never uttered those words to you. <laughs> I can't believe none of you even tried. <laughs> well, you know what? My friend who looks like you, who's also tall with Big yeah, Red. Yeah, I like to call her Fake Harper. Fake Harper. Yeah. Everyone calls her Big Red. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I don't want to have the same nickname as Fake Harper. Okay, anyway, so Big Red is Torrance's predecessor, and she's the one who was a real bitch. So she's the only actual villain in this movie, because she's the one who stole the routines in the first place. But now she's out of the picture, and Torrance is the one who has to deal with her with her predecessor's mistakes, which is like not technically quote-unquote fair, but... It's just how things it's should life. be. Yeah, yeah, it's life for a white person to have to deal with the fact that our ancestors or our predecessors on the cheerleading team really fucked up. And now we have to take the brunt of it and figure out how to make it better. Make it better. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool lesson here. Um, so that's all the stuff about cultural appropriation. <laughs> There's also a lot of great stuff in this movie, though, about strong female leadership, about acceptance, and also funnily enough, about the stuff, the, like, internalized misogyny stuff that we were talking about in general about all these movies and how, like, easy it is to disregard as important stuff that's traditionally seen as feminine. Like, um, Torrance's whole passion is cheerleading. She only wants to do cheerleading. And there's all these people in this movie who, like, tell her that it's stupid or she needs to refocus her efforts or whatever. But eventually everyone comes around in the end because they realize that, like, these people are legit athletes. They're like working really hard. They've got dedication. Um, they're competitive. They are strong, like strong, you know, they put in the time and the effort and they like end up on ESPN, these big cameras everywhere. It's like they're winning all these awards. It's like a totally legit thing to spend your time doing if that's what you want to spend your time doing. But because it's cheerleading and that's like traditionally feminine, it's like thought of as stupid. It's just a silly girl's hobby. Yeah. That's what people say to her basically. And she's like, (laughs) fuck all the way off. Yeah. And so people come around, which is really cool to have that be the case in one of these teen movies where you get to learn that even if, even if your passion is something quote unquote feminine or like what other people think as of as silly, if it's still what you want to do and it's what you're good at, 
then you should fucking do it. Yeah, agreed. And everyone comes around to it. So the only, as you were saying about Mean Girls, everyone in this movie, like, does and doesn't fucking get it at different points. The only people who are exceptions to that rule are Big Red doesn't fucking get it the whole time. She never gets it. And she's just a turd the whole time. And the captain of the Clovers, whose name is Isis, played by Gabrielle Union, fucking gets it the whole time. <laughs> she she never doesn't fucking get it. <laughs> so those are the extremes. But everyone else in the middle is like they probably would be in real life where they have to figure it out. Yeah, and they, they're in high school. Yeah, they're in high school. They're dumbasses sometimes. Maybe and then they some get through it. more adult quote unquote adult films not porn films <laughs> I mean like not teen flicks not teen flick adult films should have these like more obvious teachable moments yeah yeah because I feel like I actually did learn so much from these movies and maybe generations before us didn't have these like really obvious but amazing like pieces of culture and yeah. art to teach them like this is what the issue is, and this is how you overcome it. Yeah. <laughs> it is very clear. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's a good movie, though. I definitely it's need so to rewatch it so I can be more on your level yes, about please. it. Yes, <laughs> please. Yeah. Bring it on. Fucking get it. it. Thank you. All right. Uh, now we're going to stray away from Ariana Grande. Yep. Thank you, next movies. Um. Got two more. And do two more. Um, I'm going to talk about 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. This is another classic. And Harper, I know you don't really know this movie that well. Yeah, I've only seen it like twice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've only seen it a handful of times too, but yeah. for some reason it made a big impression on me when I watched it when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so I rewatched it. Um, and it's really fucking good. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, but I'll give you the basic gist. Um, it's based on William Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. Right. Um and it's but like it's actually tolerable (laughs) (laughs) but it's not boring as hell i'm not i'm not good at reading shakespeare um (laughs) so anyway it's based on these two seemingly well-known sisters at some big california high school which we realized three out of four of these movies are based at big california high schools which if you were like me or you who went or you or i who (laughs) went to rural high schools in maine this was a huge fucking misconception about what a high school like (laughs) i was like oh my god high school is so cool the high school in 10 things i hate about you like is on this hilltop overlooking san francisco and has this huge ass sports stadium that looks like the size of an olympic stadium and i googled it and the high school that they shot that movie in is actually called stadium high school (laughs) okay that makes sense because there's a huge stadium i remember it and uh, all these high schools always have like all these cool classes and resources, which my high school definitely nope. did not have. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it really set me up for disappointment. <laughs> um, but anyway, two sisters, Kat Stratford, she's the shrew, and then um, Bianca Stratford. But Kat Stratford definitely inspired this whole generation of a certain type of feminist, including myself. Um, she's super smart or thinks she's super smart. Um, she's yeah. outspoken. She doesn't give a fuck. She listens to girl rock. She's a very Lilith fair type. Yes. Of yeah, woman. yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what um, you mean. 
She's a huge bitch, um, for better or for worse. Um, yeah, she's super mean. She time. she has that effect where like every time she starts talking, everyone just like braces themselves, which almost kind of reminds me of you and I sometimes <laughs> when we maybe get too impassioned or political, and all our friends are like, "Can we just get back to catchphrase? We're in the middle of a really good game." And I'm now- not mad about that comparison. <laughs> I'd, I'd in fact like to be more like Cat Strafford. I would also <laughs> like to be more like Cat Strafford. <laughs> Um, but her younger sister, Bianca, is this hot little popular thing who all the boys love. And But she's not allowed to date unless her older sister, right. Kat, starts dating. Um, which brings me to the point that the real villain of this movie is the dad. He, Their dad. He is so overprotective, oppressive, and misogynistic. He is like very much the type of dad that's like my daughters are so precious and pure Ugh. no boy will ever touch them i will kill the first boy who talks oh my them. god um rolling he, my eyes you, you don't really know what happens to the mom in this film she's not present you think she's dead for most of it and then there's like a line that's like well ever since mom left and i was like okay so the mom's still alive but the dad has like huge issues mm. um he's and got some he, resent he has some resent and uh he takes it out on his daughters so they're like not allowed to do anything Ugh. but anyway um this guy Cameron, who's played by a young um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh my God, that's right. So He's so cute. <laughs> um, he wants to date Bianca for no reason other than she's hot. <laughs> for no reason. Um, so he hires Heath Ledger's character. I don't even know what his name is. I'll just call him Heath Ledger um, to quote unquote tame the shrew, who is Cat. Right. <laughs> um, by the way, I just like Googled the word shrew uh, to see what the official definition is and it means a um bad-tempered or aggressively assertive woman and i think we should bring that word back that sounds fine that's a compliment yeah i'll I'll take it for sure we should all be shrews (laughs) let's bring it back um anyway this whole movie plays out like your classic teenage rom-com um like the ones that we've already talked about um but i think what ingrains this movie in history forever is the scene where Heath Ledger sings You're Too Good to Be True. Oh my god, yes. In the stadium, in the Olympic-sized stadium to He's like dancing all around the bleachers. He's dancing all around. He he employs the high school band to back him up and like totally woos the shrew Tat Cratford. Cat Stratford. Um... What? But yeah, forever he forever set the bar way too high for teenage romances. Um, so thanks for that, Heath Ledger. Um, <laughs> or just high enough. <laughs> but obviously, Cat Stratford fucking gets it. She's a badass. Um, but some of the lesser known characters in this movie are really fucking funny and really fucking get it. Uh, most notably, Allison Janney is Miss Perky, the counselor. <laughs> she is the school counselor who just spends all her time oh God, writing yes. erotic fiction and just like doesn't give a fuck about her actual job. <laughs> yes. She's writing about like somebody's throbbing member. Yeah, or like counsel- quivering member oh, or yeah. something like that. Like that phrase will be forever mm. imprinted in my mind. Um. And then, sorry, this is not a woman, but I have to mention him. (laughs) Mr. Morgan, the English teacher, he immediately calls Kat out on her white feminism in this movie, which is a good thing. This movie is all white people, like a lot of a lot of these. Right. All these. This teacher is black, though, right? Yeah. Yes. The teacher is black, um, but a lot of these movies are centered on white stories, so it's always good to get some other perspectives. But he 
calls her out immediately, like towards the beginning of the movie. She's like on one of her feminist rants. Um, and he says, Kat, I want to thank you for your point of view. I know how difficult it must have been to overcome all these years of upper middle class oppression. But the next time you storm the PTA crusading for better lunch meat or whatever it is you white girls complain about, ask them why they can't buy a book written by a black man. Ooh. And then they kind of touch on cultural appropriation right after that because there's two white Rastas in that class. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and after he says that, they're like, yeah, man. <laughs> and he's like, don't even get me started with you. Oh my God. That's right. <laughs> um, that guy's good. He is, fucking gets it. He actually is the best character in that <laughs> film. He's so funny. Um, he doesn't <clears throat> take any crap from anyone. Um, but it's just another example of uh, another quote-unquote teenage chick flick that actually deals with serious themes that a yeah. lot of real adults can't wrap their heads around. Yep. So, so props to the writers of this movie. Hell yeah. Who are all women, by the way. Yeah. We learned that. Women wrote all these movies. Um, of course they did. Anyway, the last thing I'll say about this movie is, and the most important, is that the soundtrack of this, this is movie... the most important thing. For me, it is. <laughs> this is what shaped me. It was the soundtrack. It's like a lot of um, female-fronted rock bands. Mm. And this, this soundtrack, paired with the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack, <laughs> paired with Michelle Branch's album... Um, that's what turned me on to female rock, and I have never turned back. <laughs> okay, who's on the soundtrack? I don't remember uh, the soundtrack well, at all. Well, the, the main song that, that everyone loved was the Letters to Cleo song that was like, Do not, do not, do not see me crying. Right. Like, what's that song? It's a cheap trick song. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. They cover it and do such a better job. Right, right, um, right, right. And then Save Ferris has, which is another female-fronted band, has a bunch of songs on the soundtrack. And... Uh, they just there's a huge emphasis on female indie rock in this movie. Yeah, and that's once right. I heard that type of mu uh, music and realized that like women could make sounds like that <laughs> and like be like kind of intense and rock and roll, I was like, this is really fucking good yeah. and the type of music I want to <clears throat> listen to. Um, Hell yeah. Kind of turned me on to like Fiona Apple later. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Kat Stratford would listen to Fiona Apple Oh, for my God. Sure. She would listen to the fuck out of <laughs> Fiona Apple. <laughs> anyway, that's 10 Things I Hate About You. Hell, yeah. I need to rewatch it for sure. Yeah. 10 Things I Hate About You fucking gets it. Fucking gets <laughs> it. All right, Maggie. So the last movie we're going to talk about yes. is the 1995 classic Clueless. Such a freaking classic. So good. <laughs> All right, I rewatched this one for the podcast because it had been a little while. And I know, I need to Boy, am it. I glad that I did. <laughs> Holy shit, this movie is good. It's even better than I remember, and I remembered it being fucking fantastic. <laughs> so, it's so good. This one is such a good example, I mean, another good example of a movie that gets written off as a quote-unquote chick flick or, like, a stupid high school movie or whatever. But it's honestly so good. And, again, its staying power has proved how legit it is. The writing is so on point. Oh my god, it's perfect. Also, all the points I have to say about this movie in regard to it being written off are really well mirrored in Jane Austen, and this the Clueless is uh, based on Emma by Jane Austen. Right. And you know I love my Jane Austen. You love your Austen. Emma's one of my favorite ones. You're crazy for your Austen. I am crazy about my Austens. I'll <laughs> talk about the Austen stuff first. 
First of all, this is such a perfect reinterpretation of Emma. I read an article the other day when I was like doing some research about this called that was arguing that uh, Clueless is understands Emma much better than other reinterpretations. And Clueless gets it spot on. Clueless, which takes place in 1995 in Beverly Hills, gets Emma exactly right. It's like the same tone. The same kind of feminism, but updated for So Jane modernity. Austen would just be laughing if she saw Clueless. Oh my god. I swear to god, if Jane Austen were was writing in 1995, she would have just written Clueless instead really? of Emma. It's the same exact thing, but updated. It's like the, the tongue-in-cheek nature is exactly the same. It's so good. So instead of a like rich-ass English village, it's Beverly Hills. So it's like Valley Girls instead mm-hmm. of fucking Lords and Ladies or whatever. Earls. Yeah. Um... Also, this movie is so funny. I for, kind of forgot this before because I just thought it was like fun and mildly funny, but it is actually hilarious. Alicia Silverstone, who plays Cher, the main character, was making me laugh out loud <laughs> so much. And so was Brittany Murphy, R.I.P. Rest in peace. Who plays Ty. Uh, the writing is hilarious. There's so many funny jokes. And the whole plot, which, like I said, is a Jane Austen plot, is a one funny joke. <laughs> the, the joke is the main character, Cher, or Emma, um, she's like at once our heroine and also kind of our villain, because they're both these like spoiled, entitled, extremely sheltered young women who just don't know shit about <laughs> shit. But they both want to be good people and they keep doing these quote-unquote good deeds that they think are selfless but are actually every single thing that they do is selfish and benefiting (laughs) themselves so like for example in clueless Cher wants to get a better grade in one of her classes and the teacher's not raising her grade and so she sets him up with another teacher in the school and they fall in love and get married at the end and she's like oh my god but she did it so that he would be happy and then give people better grades. Right. And it worked. <laughs> but she's like, look how good I am. I helped these two hapless individuals find love. But everyone is like, everyone knows, except for her, even though it's her inner monologue, narrating the movie, which is already just hilarious. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, Cher and Emma think that they have it all figured out. But because they are, well, I don't know how old Emma's supposed to be, but Cher is, you know, 17 16 and she's rich as fuck and super spoiled and she so she clearly doesn't have it all figured out right. she and she's obviously clueless about everything clueless not judge, <laughs> about everything the whole time and she doesn't know but we obviously know it's like over the top obvious which is right. hilarious and then at the end she realizes that she had been clueless all along and she even says it and, uh, all comes and it full all circle. comes full circle but it's like so fun to watch her figure that out because <laughs> it's hilarious like she just has no fucking idea that she's not a great person but she thinks that she is god's gift to earth and another thing about the jane austen comparison is that it would be really easy i think it's really easy for a lot of people to write off jane austen novels in the same way that these movies get written off and i think that that's really interesting like um a lot of people write them off as like silly or unimportant. You know, they think that Jane Austen's novels are like gossipy and romance driven, not like high art or whatever. Um, but Jane Austen wrote like totally tongue in cheek about the world that she lived in. And so she gave us this like complete portrait of a, of a particular time, just like clueless gives us a like, you know, highly stylized portrait of the nineties, right. very nineties. Um, 
that has like for Jane Austen novels, the portrait of the time has lasted. And now we, you know, have, it's like a piece of history. We know what that time was like, at least through this one person's view. Uh, but she did that, gave us this whole view while satirizing the whole society that she lived in. And she hated it. She right. hated this society of like all these insular, entitled, uh, spoiled people who like thought they were the shit who didn't know anything. And so she would write these stories that on the surface could look like they're just romance plot driven, but are actually commentary on how these people fucking suck. And that's exactly (laughs) what Clueless is. And it's really easy to think that they're nothing more than surface level, but you are, you just wrong. If you think that, I think you just didn't read it that closely (laughs) or you never read it at all. Maybe. Um, So like her novels poke fun at their characters and the settings in exactly the same way that Clueless does. Um, it's there which is such smart writing it's so smart it's funny to do it that way it's mm-hmm. smart it's insightful not to mention clueless and jane austen both fucking popular people love this yeah. shit people have loved this shit for years jane austen is like wrote some of the most popular and widely read books of all fucking time of all time <laughs> and just because they were written like in this feminine manner and about a world inhabited and driven by women uh, and their desires does not make them unimportant. And the same exact thing can be said about Clueless. Like, look how persistently popular Jane Austen has been and how persistently popular Clueless has been. Yeah. It's a classic. It's a classic. It's all a fucking classic. Anyway, that's basically all I have to say about Clueless. All of these movies, I mean, I feel like Clueless already is a classic because it's old enough. Yeah, that's the oldest one. I mean, they are eventually all going oh, for sure. to go down in history as classics. For sure. And if they don't, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> If they don't, it's going to be people who it's didn't gonna be pay a, attention. It's going to be an old man's decision. If- yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yep. Anyway, I could probably say a lot more about Clueless because it's such a good movie. There's so many hilarious lines in it. There but- are a lot of hilarious lines in these movies. Ooh, can we do some of our favorite hilarious lines? Yeah. Can I tell you one from Bring It On that I just realized about? <laughs> yes. One of the characters, for some reason, says the sentence. <laughs> She says, we were just flying ignorami for sobbing out loud. <laughs> I lost for my, sobbing for out loud. Sobbing I've out never loud. Heard that. Why aren't we saying that? I don't know. But I'm going to say it all the time now. And in Clueless, she's always saying as if, which is great. Yeah. And whenever they think a lady is pretty, they call her a Betty. Which <laughs> I love. Oh, there's so much. Um, what do you have? The line that stuck out to me the most in 10 Things I Hate About You is <laughs> when Cat Stratford goes, do you even know my name, Screwboy? <laughs> Screwboy. <laughs> Which is the earlier iteration of Fuckboy. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring that back, too. All right, Screw- so we're bringing back Sobbing Out Loud, Screwboy. Um, as if. As if. Betty. And wasn't there something from Mean Girls? Well, the thing about Mean Girls is they use these, like, super derogatory insults, like, w- women on women oh, yeah. insults. Fugly slut. Flu- yeah, fugly <laughs> slut. Um, whore. Boo, you whore. <laughs> but, like, I almost feel like that that movie kind of reclaimed those yeah. insults for women. They made them funny. They made them funny, and they made them into things you say to your friends rather yeah. than you say to an enemy. I also saw a meme calling Donald Trump a fugly slut. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. That is hilarious. Um, But yeah, it took these like really juvenile things that women or girls might say to each other and made them funny and kind of accessible and almost friendly in a way. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I love, I love, I never say it, but I love the phrase fugly slut. Yeah, it is great. It sounds so good. Also shrew. We are going to bring back shrew. Oh, shrew. Yes. Okay, great. Um, Lots of good lingo. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, we didn't say that. Clueless Clueless fucking gets it. it. All these movies really fucking get it. Yeah. They were all written by women. They're all super important. They're classics. They have these really poignant lessons that teach young girls and boys and adults alike yeah these really important lessons and they're funny as hell yeah they're really well made and people love these characters if you write off these movies for being silly or stupid you're then a dumb you're fugly a slut dumb <laughs> fugly slut and we can't talk to, and you can't, you sit, can't with us. sit with us <laughs> Just think think about how all these movies have like changed the way we talk too. Yeah, Yeah, now we're saying fugly slut left and right. (laughs) And I think that's a great way to end. Yeah. All right. Thanks for chatting about my favorite movies with me. Yeah, that was fun. It was so fun. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to She Fucking Gets It. I'm your host, Maggie Nugent. And I'm your other host, Harper Burke. And thank you to Zach Nugent, who recorded us in Portland, Maine. The end. The fucking end. You have to, guys have to leave.